0: Beautiful people, this is Gary Hort, and this is This Is Pro Wrestling. It's a podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest sport of all time, professional wrestling. And as usual, I'm not alone. I am joined here by Mr. Will Martin. Hey, Will.
1: Hello. Good uh, day or evening, everyone, whenever you're listening or partaking in this goodness. We are glad to I,
0: I assume afternoons. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't listen to this after seven. Cause it gets kind of weird. It'd be up all night. Don't,
1: and don't eat directly after listening to this. Right. Wait like an hour.
0: And the main what? reason we say that, that c- those are doctor's orders coming directly from the doctor himself, the doc Rob Stinson. Hey doc, how are you? That's
2: right, that's right. And my recommendation would be to listen to this first thing in the morning, start your day off at the gym when you're using the uh, the the Nick Aldis training regimen or the the Eli Drake training model or whatever one, but when you're getting yourself better and you need something to help get you through that workout, something that's going to entertain you, inspire you, motivate you, first thing in the morning, drop this Joker at 5 a.m.
1: I'm oh, currently like- on that that uh, Bam Bam Bigelow workout regimen. That's that's my program.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, are you tattooing your head? That's the only thing. <laughs> I, No,
1: no. Okay.
2: I'm on the pre. I'm on the I'm on the nineteen eighty-six era Jim Cornette training regimen. Look at (laughs) that. Look at that physique.
1: (laughs) It's a swimmer's body if I've ever seen one.
0: (laughs) He's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. Well, fellas, I'm glad we already name dropped all of these names because surely they are all names we'll be discussing further in depth in the future. I'm excited. And I think you guys are, this is our very first, this is our introduction to what is going to be, I think our flagship, this is pro wrestling show. It's uh they, not, not, not that I'm taking credit here, but even from when I first started, this is the NWA back in the day. One of the things I envisioned was being able to go and dig into the history. And uh, well, you know, just from the intro, you get it. Like the history, legacy, tradition, that whole thing of, uh, sports of of the greatest sport of all time, pro wrestling. And so when Will and Rob came on, that was also an idea of theirs. Rob's been hammering us about it because we, when you have a beautiful mind like Rob's, Mm. you want to take full advantage of it. And so now we finally get to do it. He's beat us down enough that we're here, we're sitting down, and we're actually recording the introduction to what will be the flagship show it's this is pro wrestling. I don't, have, I don't even think we have another name for it. It just is what it is. And it's a show about what is pro wrestling. It's uh, I think we're going to, I'm thinking the, the emphasis, I guess, if you guys have a better way of saying this is like, Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the history of pro wrestling. It, just a guide to all of you out there on what pro wrestling is all about characters from pro wrestling, anybody involved in just incidents, uh, matches, just whatever comes to mind, just important things that come from the world of professional wrestling. Did I say that as confusing as possible?
1: No, I think you're exactly right on the hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is for everyone. I mean, if you are, if you know nothing about pro wrestling, we're going to give you the context to understand it better. If you've been a fan of pro wrestling your whole life you're going to appreciate the conversation and uh the the depth at which we discuss this stuff so and i've always wanted to be a part of a flagship so i'm excited i've never been on a flagship before and so this is a first for me
0: this is what it looks like
1: (laughs) it looks it looks the same but anyways
0: (laughs) um you refer
2: to me as, as a beautiful mind. And so I'm wondering, like, do you think like my brain is physically beautiful or are you referring to the fact that I've got various different personalities going on up here? Um, Spoken and you like a know? true doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you, actually, shut up. Not, you shut up. Like, oh, anyway. <laughs> who are you talking to? I was talking to me.
0: Oh. Mind is just what I call your butt. So that's uh,
1: okay. Yeah, it's
0: just a lovely wait a second. When you were talking to Tanya the other day after our Uh
2: show, you said, Hey, what a beautiful mind.
0: I sure did.
1: Okay,
2: I see. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He Uh, told me he
1: he told me that he'd like to smack that mind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My mind or Tanya's mind.
0: Uh, I'm open to suggestion. (laughs) Um the And I've heard that you guys are open as well, so it works out. Uh,
2: <laughs> now you put it correctly, though. I mean, I, I think we want to do this, and, and the reason we listen, I mean, we for those who who follow our live broadcast, you know, we come in and we have we do hours a week of live uh, broadcasting, hanging out with our community. Not because, I mean, it's because that we're into pro wrestling, obviously. But I think there's also a sense in which we feel that culturally this is an important thing. Wrestling is an important thing. It's it's mythology. It's experience. It's uh, it's uh, human drama. It's counseling. It's all those things. It's performance art. It's creativity. I, uh, I you know I don't want to speak for everybody that follows us or everybody on this panel, but you know we're gonna get more into our personal story. But I'm you know one of my personal commitments is I'm a Presbyterian, um, and so my faith informs a lot of not necessarily how I behave, but. Definitely, what I think and how I operate in broad strokes, and I think that one of the things that really makes how behaves. <laughs> one of the things that makes us uh, distinct and unique is we we bear this image. We reflect something about God in us, and I think something. I think what that must be is probably the creative impulse, the the desire to be involved in creating and experiencing. Uh, and so, to me, this is just it's a it's a human interesting, and it's really it's an important endeavor and so i uh, hopefully you we will have fun with this you'll be entertained you'll laugh maybe you'll cry you'll be frightened uh from time to time but i hope it, it makes you see something about the goodness and 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 the privilege of it, of what it means to be a human being that we get to experience what really is you got a lot of great sports out there man baseball football uh you know uh, american football um but pro wrestling is is as Marty Bell said in one of Gary's great interviews, "It is the penultimate form of art." And so, when we experience and talk about this, we're sharing in human drama, human creativity, human competition, human art. It's a beautiful thing to go with my beautiful
0: mind. There you go. And you can hear and the way that Rob talks about it. You can hear the passion in his voice about like what he's talking about with professional wrestling. And for me, um, one of the big things about this is is we wanted to put something out for. All of you folks that are listening in the audio portion or even if you're watching right now on video, what we're thinking about is is we found in the world of pro wrestling, for one thing, this is hundreds of years old, like this thing, as you're going to find out in episode one, uh, where we go back and talk about pro wrestling. And it could be a little bit overwhelming if you're a new person. And there's a lot going on now that people that have been fans that got lost along the way don't understand what's going on now. And then there's just it's easy uh, mythology to get lost in or the storylines and everything about it. Just the timeline. It can get confusing and all of that stuff. So I think we wanted to kind of step in and talk directly to you folks in a way that I guess the easiest way I could put this is I think we want to remove all of the gatekeepers. We don't want there to be any limited access to anything about pro wrestling. We want to tell the story in the easiest way possible, hopefully, so that in a way that you folks that enjoy the history of pro wrestling, you might have been a fan in the 70s or the 80s, maybe the 90s, you can enjoy everything we're going to talk about and maybe learn something that you didn't know about the older eras or the newer. And also, for if you're just brand new to pro wrestling and you've always just kind of wondered what is pro wrestling, why does anybody care, isn't it fake, all of that stuff, maybe you'll get something out of it too and feel like you can jump right in. And then along the journey, start to feel like you fully understand it and can have a conversation with anybody about pro wrestling. That, that's kind of how I feel about it.
2: Yeah. And I guess the, the operating principle that you should have when you go into this, you think wrestlers, you know, we know there, there, there are stereotypes about who are wrestling fans and you got everybody from the uneducated toothless redneck to the, the very sophisticated, you know, creator of, of, of musical bands, you know, and, and, and writers of literature that are, are drawn to this. It it just speaks to everybody who's a person and everybody should should be able to be privileged to access it. I don't care if you're a toothless redneck or not. If it speaks to you, then that's a good thing. And um, wh- what I would encourage you uh, to do is when you c- approach wrestling. Remember, it is that it is it is supposed to be entertainment. So don't overthink it. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to go into a lot of deep things. But one of the things that we the three of us dislike about wrestling in some of its current forms is that it's really overthought on the booking aspect on the book, from the booking perspective, they do too much and try to accomplish too much when, when it, at base wrestling is a story and it's a story that is, is about a couple of themes in, in human history and human life existence. It's the, it's about the theme of competition. It's about the theme of ambition and it's about the theme of conflict. And, uh, and, and that's really what it's about. And we can all identify with that. We've all read, ancient mythology. We've all read, you know, stories from uh, comparative religion and the Bible and you know some of the great works of fiction. This is uh, wrestling is something that you should not be ashamed to appreciate. It's something that has great literary merit, great cultural merit, and if you look at the people that we really appreciate, people like Nick Alvis, people like Billy Cor- William Patrick Corgan, people like Thunder Rosa, the the names that we mentioned, these are highly highly educated people that know Ziggy. their stuff, you know, and, and so this is something that I think can speak to everybody.
0: spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm sorry, Rob. I'm not trying.
2: Yeah, no, you're good, but you get what I'm saying.
0: No, a hundred percent. I, I totally agree. And, uh, and yeah, and, and I think one of the things you'll hopefully take away from this, that we uh, hit on is uh, we'll, 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 we'll dig deep into eventually the uh, term kayfabe and what all of that means. And um the, Entertainment aspect of this sport. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like the whole world's wrestling, the whole world's kayfabe, the whole everything politics to uh oh boy, just people you meet day to day. I'm just saying it's all it's all <laughs> wrestling is not any different than all of that. You guys are gonna find yeah,
1: out. I'll piggyback off what Rob said a little bit and and add my two cents. You know, the, the other part for me um, is that there's varying levels of wrestling fans, too. You know, there are some people that um, are like us and they want to dissect it. They want to they want to get in there. They want to figure out, you know, how how the wheels turn and the business side of it and all this kind of stuff. And then there's on the other side, there's people that just want to watch it and be entertained. You know, people that just want to. Enjoy it for what it is. It's kind of like a movie. You know, there's some people that just want to watch the movie and get lost in it, use it as a form of escapism. And then there's some people who want to dissect it and talk about the film shots and the script and the actors and things like that. And so wrestling, you know, has varying levels of fans at, at various depths. And that's one of the things to to know and appreciate too. When you talk about gatekeeping, you know, it's kind of this way with any sport. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sports fan. I primarily, I like soccer, um, but I'm also a big baseball fan. And I go through phases where like, I want to know all the stats. I want to know, you know, who's getting drafted. I want to know all this kind of stuff. And then I go through phases where I'm just like, you know, I just want to watch a game and enjoy it. You know, I don't want to get lost in batting averages and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's another aspect of wrestling that I, I feel like needs to be acknowledged as well Is that, you know, no matter what depth level you are as a fan, you know, you're welcome here.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, and not to waste all of your time, but to, to piggyback on what we'll say, I just want to reestablish, like he said, no gatekeepers here, though. Um, if you are a person who has watched wrestling your whole life, we want this show to be for you. Like all fans, like all sports, I should say, all fandoms, there are toxic fans. We get it. So where I was going with that is we don't want you to feel left out. If you're a longtime fan, or if you've seen one match in your whole life and it was uh Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at whatever WrestleMania that was, if you're like me and you don't even know what WrestleMania that was, you can't remember, um nobody should be able to give you crap about it it's it's okay if you've seen a match at all or even if you haven't seen a match and it just intrigues you the idea of pro wrestling this is gonna be a show for you this is for everybody don't feel left out in the cold if you have questions or thoughts we want to hear from you we're at tipw show on everything so we're we're open we want to hear your stories speaking of stories um I want to, I guess I'll start really quick to give you an idea what I'd love to hear from you. We just want to introduce ourselves so you know who's going along on this journey with you, real quick, before we get to the actual first episode. My name is Gary Horn. I'm a lifelong pro wrestling fan. I um, started one of literally one of my earliest memories in the entire world is walking into the living room at my parents' house and seeing Andre the Giant rip the gold cross necklace off Hulk Hogan's chest. And there was a scratch on Hulk Hogan's chest. And I remember like thinking these men are giant because I think, you know, you saw like Bobby, the brain, Heen in there and even Hulk Hogan towered over him and Andre, the giant towered over Hulk Hogan. And I just could not fathom the size of these people. And he ripped the necklace off and it cut him. And, uh, That just blew my mind. That legitimately is one of my very first memories, but I was hooked. I was sold on whatever pro wrestling was. And through the years, I've watched it, never stopped watching it. I've loved it for forever. Just something about it just grabbed me. And I think it's just the stories, the fun. And uh, I'm not as hard as some people are on some of the goofy characters. I do like to feel like I'm invested, um, but I also come from a day and age where I loved the hell out of Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior at WrestleMania six. So, uh, and I believed in the ultimate warrior being just a raging lunatic. And it turns out he really is. But besides that, he also played one on TV and he was very good at it. Um, but anyway, that's kind of where I come from with pro wrestling. And so, uh, I, I don't really know what else to establish about that, but, uh, will I mean, I guess I'll throw to you like, where, where, where do you start out with pro wrestling and, Who are you as a fad? Who are you as a person?
1: Yeah, I I start out in the early 90s. Um, I was born in 82. So uh, I was, you know, kind of eight, nine years old when I first got into wrestling. And honestly, it was because of the accessibility of TBS and that it came on cable television. And so I'd be flipping channels and got into it. Um, my dad had been into it in the, in the eighties, the late seventies and early eighties before I was born. Um, so he had some context. He kind of got back into it. He took me to a few, uh, WCW house shows and, um, I just got hooked, man. I, um, so I, I was a WCW kid, um, you know, unfortunately I was a little late and kind of missed the, uh the late heyday of the NWA and that whole transition with Jim Crockett and everything. Um, so when I first got into wrestling, it was, uh, you know, WCW Saturday night and uh, WCW main event and uh, a little bit before nitro and all that started up in the Monday night wars. But, um, by that time I was full into it and, um, I've always been a huge sting fan. Uh, he's kind of the guy that, uh, when I think of my childhood and wrestling, um, Sting's the guy that stands out. so obviously I'm really excited to to see him reemerge here as of late. Um, but I kind of when I got to college and um, probably late high school, you know, I went through a phase that probably a lot of wrestling fans go through if they were fans as a kid, where it's like not cool to like wrestling anymore, right? Rob mentioned like the stereotypes and the stigmas surrounding wrestling fans. But the problem was, I quit watching it. But you can never really take the wrestling out of your soul. You know, if you're a true pro wrestling fan, you know, and it's like, there's always that void, right? And so uh, by the time I hit um, really like 30, probably 29 or 30 years old, I just jumped back in with both feet. And I jumped back in specifically to WWE because by that time, you know, obviously WCW had dissolved. Um, WWE was all that I was aware of. So I was into that pretty big for a few years, and then kind of opened my mind up to Ring of Honor, New Japan, um, and all of that eventually led me down a path to where I discovered the NWA, and I really discovered the NWA through you, Gary, because you started this podcast, uh, originally called This is the NWA, and um, so I just spent some time kind of binge-watching this new iteration of NWA, and it was like, it pulled me in a whole nother rung, Um, and then joined this show, and obviously have gained... Uh, a, a new appreciation for the wrestling community that we've built and uh, so now you know i love the wrestling but almost even more than that i love the community and when it comes to my what i appreciate about pro wrestling i'm i'm like a philosophy storytelling kind of guy um so i don't necessarily get hung up on the technical aspect of move sets and and that kind of stuff I really enjoy creative storytelling so a lot of the inputs you'll hear me give will be, about, uh, philosophical insights on does a storyline make sense? Like where should it go logically or that kind of stuff? So that's typically where my head's at. Um, when I'm watching pro wrestling.
0: Nice. Well, uh, Rob, you're the last one. You're the doctor. You're the, uh, you're going to be our, uh, go to like our, our fact checker, our historical accuracy judge, all of those things. So, uh, let's get a little background on you. What's your story with pro wrestling?
2: Well, I'm the elder statesman in the group. I'm probably the oldest NWA fan (laughs) of anybody. So, I I was born in 1976. uh, So, that makes me a good uh, decade older than my two colleagues here. And my wife and the current world's heavyweight champion, Nick Aldis. Um, So, uh, um, I uh, look, I mean... We my brother and I grew up, we relied on each other. We had a, a really tough childhood. Don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna sit here and sob, but my childhood was very fun and very unsafe. <laughs> you know, because it's too we, early to start crying, Rob. Right. Yeah, we could we could get into anything because you know we had parents who 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 had demons and they loved us, they weren't cruel to us or anything like that. But uh we our parents were were, you know, they were alcoholics, and my dad was a heroin addict, and he was like, my dad was like um captain jack sparrow you know he'd disappear for two years and show back up and whenever he showed up it was a big time you know we had a great time but then he would disappear again but he loved he my earliest memories are of my dad taking us to see pro wrestling in um in um murray county georgia i remember uh going to see the fabulous free and i remember buzz sawyer being there that night and tommy wildfire rich and those back in you know when I became aware, I've been watching wrestling since, you know, 78, 79, but I became really aware around like 81, 82, even before Ric Flair was a, a, a big deal. I mean, it, we knew he was going to be a big deal, but in those days, it was all about Tommy Rich, man. He was what was dominating the NWA in the state of Georgia. And uh, anyway, as we grew up and as 82 turned into 83, and then we get to the year 86, which is really a, um, a very important year, I think maybe the greatest year in professional. That, that's the year that really caught me. What was going on between the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express between Dusty and Flair. Dusty's, uh, or uh, Rick Flair's, uh, campaign in the great American bash defeating the title like 13 times in 30 days. That was it. That was the full court press. And that's what locked us in. And, but more importantly, it really is what saved us because my brother and I literally had no guidance. Like we didn't have anybody again, let me emphasize. My parents were not mean they had demons, you know, and they, and we, uh, we what drew us inside, what kept us off the street is like what Eddie Kingston says. You know, the reason we didn't get in trouble on the streets is because we had to be in at 605 on Saturday night. We had to be, you know, we were glued to the TV at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. Then you had world class at noon. We had a little, We got a little bit of WWF on Sunday. But for the most part, we weren't leaving this, you know, between that and the Atlanta Braves baseball um, that would come on at usually eight oh seven oh five or 805. Um we were glued to the TV and, and my heroes growing up were like now in retrospect, I look at it back. Like they were, they were guardian angels, you know, they were father figures in a sense. They, they taught us our life lessons. They taught us our ethic. They um, we lived the cold war through the Magnum and Nikita Koloff feud. I mean, we, we um, it was really, so it's, I mean, it's very sentimental and because of that, it's very important to me, you know, as, as, as something that kept me safe, Um, in my, in my formative years, Uh, I've always been a bookworm. I've always been a nerdy type. And and now we're living in the golden age of nerds. Nerd nerdy has finally become cool after all these years of bullying and this and that. But, uh, I have a scar. If you look real close, people who've been real close to me, like Will and Gary have, they've, they've been up in it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Not like, but, uh, I have a scar on my forehead right there. You can barely see it, but it's right over my left eye.
0: And I didn't that, even know you were awake when I was. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: got that scar when I was six years old, and I, my brother and I were impersonating a wrestling match. He was uh, he was being uh, um, he was being Tommy Rich, and I was being Ric Flair. You know, and and in the course of the match, I got pushed down and I hit a bed rail. Had to get sixteen stitches, and I've carried that scar ever. Luckily, I'm told chicks dig scars, so I've uh, you know uh, my, my wife, my the beautiful Tanya, loves it. She thinks it makes me look like a beast. Uh, which I am, (laughs) but, uh, right. But, uh, it, 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 you know, it's, it's just like (laughs) wrestling is life, man. Like I have, there's never been a point in my life when I, when I wasn't a wrestling fan, I don't know what life was like about it. The NWA just happens to be, I'm an NWA fan by an accident of geography and where I grew up at kind of like Will. Um, and, uh, for me, like, I remember watching the 30 for 30 episode on Ric Flair. I remember the commentator saying something to the effect of, you know, he really liked Hulk Hogan, but he felt Ric Flair. And that's, that's, that's the way I feel about it. I felt it. It it, it resonated with me. I can identify with the stories. It kept me out of trouble. It motivated me to get through the week. I look forward to Saturday every week. Um, I was always a good student in spite of everything and uh, went off to grad school and, and uh, even during my doctoral work, wrestling always factored in, even as I was, you know, going through my dissertation process and going through doctoral classes, I'd always draw analogies and allusions relating to pro wrestling. And I've always pushed you push the fact that that wrestling is, uh, is, you know, important. It's literally and culturally important. And then um, when lightning one took over uh, Gary Horn began this fabulous uh, podcast. This is the NWA. And for the first time in many, many years after going from the NWA to the transition to uh, WCW to uh, you know, the impact days to the wilderness years, to all that stuff. Finally, for the first time, I felt like I was seeing something again that brought me back to what I remembered and how it should, how wrestling should be. And I was listening to Gary show, you know, I listened to all his interviews. I would listen to the podcasts they would do. And who would have known that here, you know uh, about a year ago, this time, maybe a little bit less than that, or a little bit more, it was about March or April Uh, me and Gary and and Will teamed up and started doing this and started this fantastic journey. Uh, Got to be part of this amazing community that we now feel like, we feel like we're like kindred spirits and family. And it's important. It's important to my family in real life. And everybody at school that I know, they always know, like, don't be, don't be, you know, dissing pro wrestling, man. Stinson will not tolerate that. Uh, You guys may not know this, but we're getting a resolution passed uh, for real. In the state legislature, the Georgia Senate is going to adopt a resolution declaring a day of uh, of honor for the National Wrestling Alliance for its contributions to uh, the culture and the history, and, and for making Georgia one of the great entertainment centers of our country. And uh, that, that those are all because it's all true, you know. It's 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 about pro wrestling. It's about all the things that we've talked about as far as human interest and and uh, and human themes.
0: Uh, but it's like Will said, it's about our community. Beautifully said, Rob. I, I love every bit of that. And, you know, it's funny you say due to geography, like I, I grew up in South Georgia, but we, and we only had like three channels on our through our antenna. But for some reason, I was a WWF guy. Like I, I, that's what I could see. And I remember like every once in a while being able to catch uh, NWA stuff or WCW stuff. But it wasn't as easy to access until a little bit later uh, when we finally got Satellite. And, uh, but anyway, I'll date myself. Uh, li- real quick lightning round. I'm just going to go around the room here and, uh, we'll wrap up the introduction period and get on to the first episode. But, uh, because I was a WWF fan growing up, my all time favorite wrestler is Brett the Hitman Hart. Who is your favorite wrestler, Will?
1: Uh, the enforcer, Arn Anderson. I know I said I was a sting kid, but. In my older, wiser years, and I look back and I relive those times, Arn Anderson was like the glue, the t- the television champion that just held everything together. He was he was reliable. Um, I just I love I love the Enforcer man.
0: Edgy Rob.
2: Uh my all-time favorite wrestler is uh is Rick Flair and Nick Aldous. And Nick Aldous is very much uh in that in that vein. And then I guess uh my all-time favorite tag team would be a toss-up between the fabulous Freebirds and uh which included four members. <laughs> we'll get into that later, I'm sure. We'll do a whole yeah, season that'll that'll come episode, episode. <laughs> and uh, and the uh, the Midnight Express, the Midnight Express. Particularly, Loverboy Dennis and beautiful Bobby and uh, beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan Lane with the great, incomparable Jim Cornette, one of the greatest personalities of all time. Uh, Those are my favorites.
1: I didn't know we could say seven wrestlers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't come out with a tag team. Well, I thought you would start with that.
1: Well, I thought that's
2: because I said
0: favorite wrestler. Yeah, maybe we'll go tag teams. Uh, Because I'll take your Midnight Mm -hmm. Express and tell you that they're good. But they couldn't handle the power of the anvil, baby. The heart Foundation.
1: Oh, but, uh, you're sticking with it.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, it it's, just, it's, it's it's tough. It's like I want to ask the uh, also the question favorite match, but I hate that question because yeah. I can never think of anything when I say it. But then again, I would probably say like Bret Hart, Stone Cold at WrestleMania 13. But what about you guys? Let, yeah. let
2: me, have, Gary, before before we move on. Why? Why? What is it about that match? Because it's usually. The matches are great, but a lot oftentimes because of who we are and, and our our own stories, there's usually something about the match that makes it important to you. Is there something in particular that makes that match the one?
0: Um, you know, I think with that one, it, it would be. It just caught me off guard at the time of how good wrestling storytelling could be. Um, it, it, I know I had seen other stuff before and there had been like great stories in wrestling, but the way that we went in there and Brett, the hitman Hart being my favorite wrestler of all time and seeing him go in and get stone cold and stone cold used to like, just irritate the hell out of me. Even when people started like loving him, I would look at Brett Hart as like the honorable one, like the, the ring tactician he's, he's, well trained, he's a guy who proves that if you put everything you've got into something, you could be the top dog. And uh, you know, I just believed in him. I really believed in Bret Hart and Stone Cold was this guy just going around and pushing people around and being a bully. And uh somewhere along the way, people started really digging Stone Cold and getting really annoyed by Bret Hart, and I couldn't I couldn't wrap my brain around it, and uh and then when they got to that match. By the time they got there, there were like little moments of like I would see Brett the Hitman Heart get to the point where even for me, he would kind of rub me the wrong way. Like, all right, you're being a little too high on yourself. Like, calm down a little bit. And, you know, like, oh, Brett, don't say that. That doesn't make you sound good. Like, don't, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, then by the time you get to that actual match in the process of the match, for those of you who haven't seen it, I mean, you see a full switch for both guys in the middle of the match, like that where Brett is just so frustrated by this guy and him being successful by bending the rules and pushing his way in, you know, and just trying to take something that Brett doesn't feel like he's earned. And Brett feels like he's the superior guy, but Brett's always done it the right way. And this guy is still like making a name for himself and coming in there that like Brett, just something snaps And Brett just starts to, he starts bending the rules. Like he starts getting a little weird and pushy in the match and mean and more aggressive. And he tries to use that to beat this guy, playing almost his game. And then you find out the guy he's trying to beat with it, Stone Cold, not only does he take it all, he won't give up. No matter what Bret Hart does to him, he can't beat him. And he can't, he even gets him in the final submission hold, the one that he always wins with, the one that's like the greatest submission hold of all time, the sharpshooter, he's going to put him out. And he always wins this way. This is how the good guy wins. And this guy just will not die. He will not give up. And he just ends up passing out in the middle of the ring. And it just, Brett snaps and he loses it. And he like goes crazy, starts attacking him. Just like, and you see Brett Hart go from like beloved, baby face, good guy to the, uh, reviled heel. And, uh, and then stone cold by that effect also becomes like, this guy's got a lot of heart. He pushed through it. There's something else to him. There's another side. And it just like, kind of, I don't know. Anyway, I I could ramble all day about this match, but you get the idea. It was just like, it was such complex, like just multi-layered storytelling going on all through that feud. And it was just the first time it ever hit me, I think. That you could do that in a wrestling ring?
1: Yeah, I, I have a hard time answering that question too. I mean, honestly, I mean, for me, it's probably going to be a tag team match, and and it's usually like one of the most recent ones I've seen because it's just fresh in my mind. I know recently, uh, in the past few months, we watched uh, Midnight Express versus the Southern Boys at um, what was that? Rob Starcade '89. Correct. I yeah, think so. so I, I mean, that one, I mean, see, like I said before, for me, it's about the storytelling. So uh, that match just told a story. And and similar to the one that you just mentioned, Gary, I just I wasn't into that at that same time. Um, but I mean, for me, it's probably going to be a tag team match. And it's probably going to involve either the Steiners, uh, the Road Warriors or the Midnight Express. What about your favorite tag team, Will? Steiner Brothers. OK,
0: I remember Dean Ambrose, by the way, when we watched that match, uh, just to jump in there, he said, uh, well, John Moxley is what people wouldn't know him as then. But I remember seeing a quote of him as Dean Ambrose talking about that match. And he said that compared to everything you'll see in wrestling today, that that match is advanced trigonometry. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I just always loved that uh, phrasing for him.
2: Yeah. Shoot, man, for me, the greatest match of all times um, was July 26, 1986, the Great American Bash, Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes. Even though Flair dropped um, the title that night in the steel cage, this was right in the middle of that of that amazing tour, that Great American Bash tour. And uh, it just, it, it, you know, that, it, was, it was a time when, like, there was a sense in which Flair was always overmatched, and you know, he was on the verge of losing, but he was he just had this sense of invincibility at the time, like he could not be beat. I remember him cutting this promo one time, and it's always stuck with me. I wish I could find it, I know it exists. I remember it distinctly. I hear him saying something to the, and I may be misquoting, but he says, uh, he says something like Dusty Rhodes, right? He may have been referring to Ronnie Garvin or somebody. He, he comes out and he says, Dusty Rhodes, when I walk out here week after week and say I can't be beat, I'm lying. Cause I've been beaten once in the last 10 years, you know, and he just turns <laughs> his defeat into like a, a badge of honor and stuff. And it's it so good. But I remember Flair wearing the, that, those, uh, those purple, those lavender trunks, some say periwinkle, um, <laughs> and dusty Rhodes being in there winning the, winning the title. And of course the in ring celebration, it was very reminiscent of the celebration that Flair himself enjoyed in the cage when he defeated Harley race, uh, at star kid 83, um, I also like the way that the WWF or WWE has packaged this when they do their documentaries on Dusty Rhodes and Flair. They highlight this match and I, I, they um, they play that uh, David Glenn Isley song, Sweet Victory, behind it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's like uh, don't ever look back on the world closing in. Be on the only attack with the wings on the wind. And they're
1: Don't playing. Don't it all, Rob. We got to Keep, gotta keep going. Keep going. Bonus. No, we got to save that for the only fans. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. They, People got to pay for that. Hey, it's if like we if if, if if and when if and when we do launch a Patreon or whatever, there's going to be weekly karaoke with Rob. And he's going to say he's going to pick one song every week. So that's something that you guys have to look forward to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about you talk about a Greek myth right there, man. You talk about a clash of Greek gods, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, both at the absolute peak of their game, and uh, what an amazing match! It's just it it didn't end the way I wanted to. It was actually I remember being disappointed at the time, and we would always find out the results weeks later, uh, except when it appeared in the newspaper. In those days, it would be in the newspaper. And I remember my brother getting hands on it first. He's like, do you know what happened? I was like, yeah, I already found out. Flair won. He, he won. I knew he won, but he hadn't. He had lost. In fact, <laughs> and I was lying to my brother and, and, uh, you know, of course, that was, that was,
1: that was the first instance of fake news, actually.
2: Yep. <laughs> well, i <I've> invented it
1: and <laughs> in recorded yeah. history.
2: Uh, and now evidently it's, uh, well I'll, I'll, but anyway would go on to reclaim the title as he always did in short order like august the 9th something like august the 6th august the 9th he got it back and uh, uh, but it was a
0: that is my favorite match of all time go watch it it's beautiful. Well, so there's some match ideas if you're new to pro wrestling. I can't imagine that a lot of people listening to this or seeing this right now are going to be like brand new to pro wrestling. But if you are, there's some match suggestions from history that you can go check out, and uh, some stars you could even start off with. Uh, we'll waste your time forever with with going over this stuff, but that was also to establish that the credentials are real. People were real fans. Were real people. We love pro wrestling and we want to take the journey and find out all about pro wrestling and everything there is to know about it. And we probably never will seek or find reach the end of that goal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But uh, we're certainly going to try and we hope that you will come on the journey with us. Uh, That is Will Martin and the Doc Stinson. Uh, It's at this is Dr. Stinson at this is Will Martin and at this is Gary Horn. The show is at TIPW show everywhere. This is on all the social medias. You can find us, hit us up, tell us if you're excited, tell us what you want to know more about so we can plan future show ideas. And just uh, we just, we want to be encouraged by your thoughts and and see what you think. Uh, Guys, did you have anything else to add for the, the prologue episode of this?
2: Just don't, don't expect this every episode to be this sentimental. Okay. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh a lot. Try to, you know, try to just, just inspire you and wrestling is so good. Again, uh, like we said earlier, don't overthink it guys. Enjoy it. Have fun. Be refreshed by it. And, and we, we appreciate you coming along with us.
1: Yeah. And I'll just uh, say thanks for listening or watching. However, you are consuming this content and just, you know, reiterate that this is really all about community. This isn't about um, a platform for three dudes to sit and, and talk at you about wrestling. It's to interact. So interact with us on social media, join our discord uh, and join the the community.
0: Yeah, and uh and Rob makes a good point. Uh both of them do about the uh the sentimentality. And you heard stories from us, but we just wanted to kind of give you a feel of who we are as people as we dive into episode number one. But there won't be as I mean, I'm sure they'll come up. But it won't be all just like us talking about matches you haven't seen. In fact, we're gonna take you back in episode number one to a time where there hadn't been any matches yet. We're starting at the beginning of pro wrestling, and we're going to walk through our first series of shows. is going to be a timeline, walkthrough, guided tour, through the history of professional wrestling. So if you ever wondered how it got started, where it ended up, how we are now, you're going to find out in this next series. And we're starting out literally at the beginning. And
2: by, the beginning, by the beginning, we mean like the foundations of the world. So... And take this hint here, Will. So when you come along with us, we recommend you bring your Bible.
0: <laughs> Break your Bible.
2: Which will be uh, Just a few of the resources that we l- rely upon in building this. Obviously, we're not born with this knowledge. But there's some re- uh, references that we would be remiss if we did not recommend as we prepare to this. You want to get your hands on a copy of what we call the Bible, which is Pro Wrestling FAQ by Brian Solomon. Absolutely. Uh, if you can get your hands on a book that we will be doing some deep dives into the great Tim Hornbaker's uh, national wrestling Alliance, the untold story of the monopoly that strangled pro wrestling. Um, There's also a fantastic source. It's actually really good. It's a really good source. And it is called the comic book story of professional wrestling. Don't be thrown off by the comic book aspect. This is a good source and it's well-informed. And in fact, there's a lot of things in here that even Brian Solomon, a lot of the figures and illustrations that even Brian Solomon relies upon, uh, in his, in his scholarship and stuff like that. It's a fantastic book. And then, then, you know, we'll refer to some of our friends have done some deeper research when we get into eras like the NWA, uh, during the wilderness years or during, uh, the TNA era, we'll be referring to the blog that Alliance puts out quite a bit. They do some great things over there. (laughs) Our friend, uh, uh, James Lawrence has an amazing resource that's focused on the history of title belts. Um, we'll obviously allude to him because he, uh, through his work, he's become kind of the title belt authority in our community and family. And then there are others that do other things, but 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 as far as the books that you want that are going to be helpful, here's your homework, guys. Here's your textbooks for this class, this graduate level uh, excursion into fun and pro wrestling. Pro Wrestling FAQ by Brian Solomon. The Comic Book Story of Professional Wrestling and Tim Hornbaker's National Wrestling
0: Alliance. Love it. Yeah, definitely want to give a shout out to those books. Those are things we're going to be relying heavily on as we take this journey. We hope you're going to tune in for episode one. Hope we haven't bored you too much talking about ourselves. Promise, starting this next episode, we're diving deep. We're going all the way back to the beginning, the roots of pro wrestling. And uh, we hope you'll stick around for that. But until then, we hope you enjoy your gravy cake.